high places with Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to spread this message of hope of Jesus Christ unto all the world. And we bless this offering now. Minister and night, come and join us. See me after the service. Uh, then on Wednesday evening, Pastor Kevin is going to come and share about forgiveness, about us from the Word of God that God's given unto him. Are you enjoying what God is ministering unto him and how he's speaking unto our hearts? Just open up your heart and get ready to receive. For those of you that may be following online or by Facebook, we're here at 3025 Southwestwood in Poplar Bluff, and we invite you to come and be a part of what God is doing. Amen. Thank you. I was having too good a time up there. I didn't get down quick enough. I had to have Sean bring me the computer. Praise the Lord. Well, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Well, it is so fun um, to be able to get, get to, to just worship with you guys. Man, doesn't it just help having a bass guitar up there on stage? My goodness, it was fantastic. Usually we don't get into the, uh, the get up, get up, get up, get up. But man, I looked over at Nick. I said, you better get up right now. You better do it. You better make that happen. So no, it's fun. Uh, we're excited. Colton had to had to head out. His uh, his wife got locked out of the house today, and her keys were in her car, and so, or her keys for her car was in the house, and so he's he went over there to go get her real quick and make sure she's doing all right. So, uh, but give them a big hug, thank them for coming moving back over here because it just excites me to have a full band up there. Uh, we'll get an electric guitar up there one day too, and that'll be we'll really be cooking. Well, today, um, well, look, just before we get started, how many guys have been doing 21 days of communion with us? You guys have been participating. Fantastic. If you um, have not, it, no worry. Start it up again. Start it tonight. Um, it's been really fun. Usually, you, I've, I've had a lot of uh, ministry friends that they, they'll start the year with their church, um, either doing like 21 days of prayer or 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I love that idea. We may end up doing that at some point uh, corporately. You guys are definitely free to pray and fast on your own. It's recommended. This is a part of the Christian faith to do so. But, um, uh, but we may do that corporately at some point in time, but I'd love to do a series over prayer and fasting before we do something like that corporately. But something that I thought was, uh, would be a really great thing for us to do is because uh, just in, in the charismatic realm, we, we don't typically emphasize communion as much as what some other expressions of Christianity do. Uh, there's a lot of different faiths that they do that every time they have Mass. Uh, they go through that process. There are some that they do that every single day. They have certain uh, places that they go through. That just depending on the expression they have, they have a much uh, higher emphasis on doing that. And, uh, and that's something that I, I'd love to kind of just bring back around a little bit more in our faith community, is to concentrate a little bit more on communion and the power of recognizing Jesus' sacrifice for us on a regular basis. That doesn't mean that we're going to take, that we'll go through and take communion every single Sunday or anything like that. There may be a, a time where we do it multiple Sundays in a row, but, um, but I, I want to encourage you guys to do so more frequently. Um, it's, it's very powerful to do it with, with each other in the, at like a, a church gathering and a service or different things like that, but there's also something powerful about you doing that with your family and doing it, if, if you couldn't do that with your family, then doing that on your own. Um, and just really, really giving honor to Jesus in those moments. We believe that the presence of, of God is in the midst of you uh, partaking in communion. There's something powerful about remembering that Jesus went to the cross. His body was broken for you. And that his blood cleanses you. And being able to go through that knowing that he heals you, not just in your body. Because a lot of times when we talk about healing, healing is, is physical because uh, I know that there's a lot of us that are dealing with certain ailments in our lives at times and stuff too, but there's two other methodologies of healing that we experience. One is spiritually, and the other one is, uh, is, is, is um, mo emotionally, or you can, you know, there's mentally, there's all different types, the soul realm is what some people call it. So uh, spirit, soul, and body, there's a really good book by um, a Andrew Womack. If you've ever heard of him, it's called, the book is called Spirit, Soul, and Body. Wonderful representation, and it, it kind of recalibrates. A lot of times I've said, body, soul, and spirit, and we tend to think that way at times, thinking of God first thing on our bodies, we are very concentrated in our physical um, nature, and then we go to the soul realm, and then we hit spiritually, but realistically, God comes in and heals us spiritually first with salvation, and then in that process, we can understand the, the emotional healing, the, the soul realm, 
our mind, our will, and our emotions is also healed and transformed because of the salvation that we've been offered through Jesus Christ. And then also, we have access to our bodies being healed as well. There's a lot of times you can see throughout church history and even in scripture that it's first an oppressive um, uh, attack of the enemy that's allowing your body to react in the way that it is in the pain or the heartache or the suffering. How many of you guys have ever had bad news before? You were feeling great, and then once someone told you that bad news, you became ill. Yeah, that's, that's an expression. Your body reacts a lot of times to what happens in the soul realm. That doesn't mean that everything is soulish. Um, there are times that you'll stub your toe, and that's because you cracked your toe on the side of the dresser, and it wasn't because your soul was all jacked up. <laughs> it's just because you kicked the side of the dresser. And so not everything that you encounter uh, physically is going to be something within the soul realm. But we know that because of the salvation that we've been offered through Jesus Christ, that our soul can also be transformed in the way that we understand things, our for the forgiveness we offer, uh, the repentance we get to walk through, and then also our bodies can encounter the healing because our soul is also in a place of freedom, so then our body could be in a place of freedom as well. And so that's a fantastic book. If you're interested in it, he uses a couple really cool examples that allows you to understand that in a little bit better fashion. And so I encourage that if you like to read or if you're interested in that. Uh, Andrew Womack, Spirit, Soul, and Body. Wonderful book. So I hope uh, that if you have not been going through the 21 days of communion with your family, that you can start today and you can continue on. We're going to go through the very uh, last Sunday. The last Sunday of the month is going to be the final day of the 21 days of corporate communion uh, with one another. And so we'll end that Sunday with communion with one another and uh, kind of have a great time doing that. But I think I really believe that as we go through that and practice, um, the great thing about communion is that you have to practice the act of confession. And you have to go through the process of forgiveness. Dad's been talking about forgiveness on Wednesday nights. It's very important for us to go through these aspects whenever we partake of communion because you cannot recognize Jesus' body and blood without knowing that you were completely uh, delivered from the sin that's in your life. You, your sins have been washed away. And then also because your sins have been washed away, now you also should be forgiving others as well. And so that's a daily reminder. And what we're doing, to, and what we're doing this month is a daily reminder of forgiving people and then asking for forgiveness if you've harmed or you've, you've uh, uh, hurt somebody in some type of way. And it's important to recognize and do that before you partake of the elements because you're partaking of, of, the, of the, the power of Jesus to cleanse you from those things. But if you're holding on to sin, then the purification process that's happening in the recognition of what he did for you on the cross is going to actually make you probably feel a little ill. Paul recognizes this and tells the church in, uh, in Corinth, in Corinth that some of you are ill in your bodies because you are partaking of communion unworthily. Yay! You are partaking of it unworthily. So that's why this is not just some kind of, it's not just merely a symbolic thing that you just do and then that's it. I check this off the box. This is a powerful thing in your life as you recognize the power of Jesus Christ, what he did as he lived a blameless life, perfect and holy, and then went to the cross for us, died in it carrying the weight of the sin of the world and then rose victoriously three days later you are you are spitting in the face of christ essentially by saying that i'm going to hold on to what i have because i feel like this is more precious than what you did on the cross and so in these 21 days of prayer and fasting or sorry <laughs> in the 21 days of communion you can recognize what jesus has done for you and in you and hopefully this will be a time of cleansing in your life even intimacy and recalibration with relationships and, and, uh, and maybe even you'll find that you have experienced freedom that you haven't had before because this is forcing you to confront some things in your life. So participate. I really encourage you to participate in this. Be very diligent in, in making sure that you're doing this in a manner that is, that is worthy of our Savior as well. So um, there, there are scriptures you can even look up. You can go to Google and you can type in uh, communion scriptures and you can even read that before you get started. That's a great way to do it. Um, if you wanted to share with your family members a specific passage that's really been, been uh, uh, just highlighted uh, to you that day, that's wonderful. If you have no clue what else to do, if you have the YouVersion app, there's a verse of the day. You can read that. That's awesome. But I recommend to do that and then, and then read um, either the words of Paul or read um, when Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples and read through those. And those are, it doesn't take a very long time. It's pretty short, but it's very powerful to go ahead and do that with one another. So 
Uh, so that's great. I hope that you guys are, are, are willing to jump in there if you haven't. And uh, for those of you guys who've been doing it, thank you. I hope that you've been blessed by that so far. So today, um, we're, this, is, this is what we're calling some Vision Sunday, Family Focus for 2023. So Vision Sunday, what, what should we be really calibrating towards this year? What are, what are some things that we're wanting to do this year um, as a church body, in, as individuals? Um, I'm not going to get into a ton of details because I feel like if we get into a lot of details on specific things, then it makes it very hard if certain stuff happens. And so we want to be wise in the way that we come together and we start to propose certain things. And so um, this is going to be a uh, kind of an exhortation of what I feel like God is really laying on my heart for us this year. And then we'll get into some really fun stuff. So I'm actually going to be in the book of Isaiah today, chapter 43. Uh, feel free to turn there on your, on, your, uh, on your Bibles or if you want to look up on the screen. Uh, we're going to read through verse 21. So we're going to go through a couple verses this morning. Everybody good with that? Sweet, two people. Too bad. Okay. <laughs> so Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, it says, But now, this is what the Lord says. This, it's important to remember that it, this is what the Lord says. You got to really pay attention because this is what God is saying. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Let that sink in first. Replace, replace Jacob and Israel with your name, with this church. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, insert your name. He who formed you, Heartland Christian Family Church, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom. Remember, Egypt was the, uh, it was the nation that, that enslaved Israel. And so the things that once enslaved you are now being given to you as a testimony for you to utilize and to show God's power and glory in the midst of your life as a great testimony. The things that the enemy once took, he now has to pay back sevenfold. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you. Nations in exchange for your life. Think about it this way. I will give, I will give people in exchange for you. In the times where you felt like you may have been, been taken down, in the times that you felt like you could have been oppressed, and maybe the addiction that you have had before, and maybe the mistakes you felt like you made that, that you would feel shameful of if you were to run into some of those people, God will actually give those people over to you and back to you as an example because, like we read uh, the, other, the other Sunday, two Sundays ago, Paul said, they will praise you because of me. So they will praise God because of you, because of the testimony that you have. They will be able to praise God in light of that. So God will give you people that need to experience and encounter God's love that only you could reach because of the testimony that they knew the life that you lived beforehand and that now the way that you're living, God will give you them. Come on, God will give you those people as an opportunity to bring them to his kingdom so that we can disciple others so that they can become sons and daughters. I will give you nations in exchange for your life. Come on, we, we claim that for, the, for this city. Amen? For this county, for this region. I'm the director of a, of a grant program that we, and we serve 10 different school districts in this southeast Missouri region. And, uh, and all of them have different, uh, different opportunities for students who are low-income based, first-generation college students. And we run into lots and lots of different stories. I had, um, I had a couple students that I talked with on Friday, that if I were to go through a lot of the details of what they encountered in their life, the different students who um, have had to go to mental institutions because they've tried to commit suicide, the ones who have overdosed on drugs because they have such a terrible home life and the things that they're encountering, ones that they've had parents um, hold guns up to their head because they have been high on drugs and they didn't like the way that they were behaving because they weren't giving any, any attention to them. The type of things that they're encountering and going through, just as children, as 6th and 7th and 8th graders, 
It's, it's horrible, but the Lord will give us this region as we are persistent and as we continue in the things that God has called us into in making disciples of all nations, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. We have to take care of Jerusalem. Where is the Jerusalem that you're at? Is it, is it Popper Bluff? Is it, is it in Butler County? Is it Ripley County? Is it Stoddard County? Which county are you a part of? And where is, it, is God calling you as an employee of whatever institution that you're a part of or as a person of influence in whatever area? Maybe you're just going to the grocery store all the time. Where is God calling you to make a difference in the lives of the people who are around you? We sing about light a match, let it burn. I want that fire. I want a fresh, fresh fire this morning. Do you truly want a fresh fire in your life? I mentioned that Paul in Romans 12, he says, he says, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God and Lord Jesus Christ to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, one that is holy, that is acceptable and that is pleasing unto God. If you're living a life of holiness, a life that is acceptable to God and one that is pleasing to him, then that means that you will you will shine a light that is brighter than the one that is that is in anybody else who's around you. That people will be able to tell that there's something different. As you walk into the room, it's as if it's been illuminated in the midst of the darkness that they've been encountering. It will give them hope in a, in a place where they may not have any hope. Could be in your own home. And sometimes that aggravates people because they feel like they have everything figured out. Or maybe they've been burned by someone who's claimed to represent Jesus to them. And in the midst of their religiosity, They've come against that person and harmed them in a way that caused them to walk away from the church. It happens more often than you think. So what kind of a representative are you of the kingdom of God? Is it one that you're just trying to represent a church or are you actually trying to represent our savior? Because let me tell you, if you're just trying to represent an organization, only when you're around people that you feel like... um, like you are supposed to act a certain way, will you act that way? But then whenever you're around other people who are, have nothing to do with that people group, then you just start to act however you want to because you're not representing that organization. But when you're representing Jesus, you are representing him in every single area, every single place that you go, every word that comes out of your mouth, every action that you go through, all that stuff represents Jesus. When I, I work for the college, and as I work for the college, whenever I go to schools, I represent the college. I have a college shirt on. I have, you know, a certain attire that I have to wear, certain things that I have to go through, certain meetings I have, a certain way that they view me because I'm, I'm a director at the college. So then when I go to certain meetings, we have certain things to go through. I'm a representative of that organization when I'm at that organization. But I don't have to dress in a polo and slacks whenever I'm sitting at home on the couch. I can wear shorts and a t-shirt, and it's very comfy. I can't lay down on the couch in an office and go to sleep. They wouldn't appreciate that. I don't get paid to sleep. But I can do that at home. Come on, so there's, there's a difference between representing a church and representing Jesus. And so when people try to just represent an organization, they try to just represent a Sunday morning gathering, then only when they feel like they're being watched by people who are Christians will they try to act like a Christian instead of being a Christian in every single thing that you do. That's living in holiness, acceptableness, and and being pleasing in God's sight. In verse 4, he says, Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east, and gather you from the West. This is interesting that he has separate locations from here. Some of you guys may feel like you're estranged from your children or from family members, like there's a separation between these two. So he's saying he's gathering them. Listen to that. I will get, this is the Lord saying, I will gather your children from the East and then I will gather you from the West. It didn't say that you're going to run your happy little butt over to your child. You're going to snatch him up. You're going to throw him around. You're going to tell him this is what you got to do. If you're living a life that is wholly acceptable and pleasing unto God, and then you're praying for your children to encounter and to be with Jesus, then it is up to the Lord to make that process happen without you forcing them to come to a church. Come on, prayer. Prayer will do a whole lot more than what your physical hands will be able to do. That also doesn't mean that you're negated from the responsibility of living out a Christ-filled life. 
And so he will gather your children from the east. He will pull you in from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, don't hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the people assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us these former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it is true. That you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may be so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no savior. Let me read that again. I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I am not some foreign God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. He's emphasizing this over and over again, letting them know. Isaiah was written, and there's, there's much to be written in, in, uh, in, in regard to the, the idolization of the nation of Israel from Isaiah's writing, calling them back into this place. The need for purification in the body and in the, in the nation of Israel. And so why he's hitting this, there are no other gods. No other gods was made before me. There's no other God, no other savior, because the idolization was thick and rampant in the, in the nation of Israel. So letting them know, look, there is no one who can compare to, to the Lord your God. Yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. I love that he brings up the Babylonians too. He mentioned Egypt in the beginning and then he goes into Babylonia. This is imperative because the Egyptians took Israel into captivity and then later on, after the temple was ransacked, Babylon took Israel. He mentioned both of the major captives of the nation of Israel as ones who will be returning and will be made known that Jesus Christ, that, that God is, is the God of all gods. That there's no other God that is greater, that is better, that came before, or will remain after. Every bit of captivity. So the sin that you found yourself in before you knew Jesus, he can return to you. Those things will be returned to you that you lost in the midst of that captivity. Babylon. Maybe you found yourself after, I mean, we all have testimonies and we all have our own process of, of, of transformation. Some of you came to know God and then after a little while, things may have felt stale or maybe you have, maybe you, kind of the newness wore off or whatever it is that you felt. And you found yourself back into captivity again. Could have been the same type or it could have been a little bit different. A lot of times it could find yourself a little bit different. Could have been religion that you found yourself wading deep in those waters. Maybe it's you, were, you felt like you were living a, a bit of a double life as you would show up to church and live one way and then your life outside of that was completely different. Whatever bondage you found yourself in, the Lord is faithful to deliver you from there and then make right what was made wrong in the midst of that too. Our God is a good God. He's a righteous God. He's a God of redemption. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty water, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. 
So this is important. This part right here is really big. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. How many of us are dwelling on the past a little too much? That could be good or bad. That's where we find traditionalism also is, is kind of set, set in. Is whenever you, you, you were used to something that was going on beforehand, and then you don't want to let that something that happened beforehand go. Ready for the new things that the Lord is doing in your life, or maybe the lives of others around you, saying that it has to be this way. But in reality, it does not have to. This is the beautiful thing, and what I love about what, what, what we see in Scripture is that, especially in the New Testament, you don't see that there's a whole lot of you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to have a successful, thriving organization. You don't find that in there. What you do find is the character of the people who are supposed to be leading certain things and the character of the heart of the believer and the intentionality of everything that you're doing. You find that a lot. That was in the Sermon on the Mount. All throughout the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard before he said, don't do this. Whether if it was murder, adultery, any of the things, X, Y, and Z that you can list, don't do those things. You've heard it said, and that's correct. But realistically, what it's saying is this. If your heart is wrapped up in it beforehand, you've already committed that sin. You've already missed the mark if your heart is set on that one thing. You may never walk out the process of cheating on a spouse, but if your heart is consistently looking at other people, if you're consistently in pornography, if you're consistently um, um, neglecting your spouse, then guess what? You are committing adultery as you fantasize about somebody else being that way. If you are mad constantly and you just wish the worst on certain people all the time, you, maybe you never raise a finger against them. Maybe you never yell at somebody or you never come against them verbally, but in your heart, you just want them to die. In your heart, you hope they have the worst day that they have ever had before and that they encounter just all the horrible things. Guess what? Yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty right there with the heart of, of, of murder. Come on, you could be aggravated at somebody, but do not sin. So there's a process of the heart that we need to, we need to really be careful of. Forget the former things, the things that came before. Those things that, you, that, that, were, that were weighing you down in the past and the things that you did before, that, that, uh, that you were running around in sin and all these types of things, guess what? You are free today in Christ. You are therefore a new creation. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So why are you living in condemnation? These are things that we have to walk into. And I believe this is what the Lord is really moving us into this year is the realization of truth from Scripture and, and what we're encountering in our everyday life. What we actually believe compared to what we know. You can know a lot of Scripture. I know a lot of you guys can quote it. Scripture is great. But if all it is is conceptual, then it's not going to be very helpful. Well, you've got you to gotta apply that to your life as well. So forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. How many of you guys felt like in 2022 you were kind of encountering some wilderness? Maybe a wasteland. Maybe you were dealing through some things. You felt like the Israelites. You went, I know the promised land got to be around the corner somewhere. <laughs> I'm just not seeing it. Quit dwelling on things in the past. He's doing a new thing and it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me. The jackals and the owls 
because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. Listen to that last part. The people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. How many guys have lost your praise because you feel like you've been drowning in the wasteland? You've been dried up. There's some pretty important things that happen in the wilderness, in that wasteland. You see that metaphorically all through scripture and then in reality all through scripture. (laughs) There's a purification that happens within that wilderness, within that wasteland. When you see the abundance that God provides, even in the midst of that, I mean, think about the number of Israelites that wandered in the wilderness for the length of time that they were there for. That they were provided for enough to where the entire nation didn't die. They're not extinct. (laughs) They made it through. It's because the Lord provided in the midst of the wilderness and the wasteland. See that he's doing a new thing. It springs up. If If you're so concerned with the past and with what has happened before, then you will only look back and see sand and desert. You will not see the spring. You will not be able to sense and and compare and to see what God is doing next because you're not looking for it or aware of it. Even the wild animals honor him because they understand that there's going to be provision in the midst of what looks like death. And this is so that you can proclaim his praise. John chapter 8. This is Jesus speaking. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the father's president uh, in the father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father listen he says if you hold to my teachings then you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free other versions say the truth will make you free greek word is the same and it means the same thing but to set and to make regardless of whichever one that you read through He will have the process of continually pushing and prodding and making you free and 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 free. free. Who the son sets free is free indeed. But listen, we have to hold to his teachings in order to see that freedom manifested in our life. There's a difference between you come in and you experience a, a great process of deliverance in your life. Maybe you, when you get saved, you're like, goodness gracious, this is the most amazing thing. But if you do not hold to the teachings of Jesus, then you will end up in bondage again because you're living off of the feelings that you have in your life instead of the preferences that God has for you, which means that you will walk in freedom and stay in freedom and continue in freedom. The Son sets you free, but only if you're following the Son will you be able to remain in freedom. And it's the truth of what the Son has for us. We cannot live in lies. We cannot live in manipulation. We cannot live in, this is what I think I heard before. You have to live in truth. This is not hearsay. We have more access and greater access to to the Bible, to Bible translations, to, to, to information, to all kinds of commentaries, to all kinds of everything that you could have to help explain different passages that could be a little 
um, a little difficult to understand? Do we have access to people through social media, through through phones and through internet to be able to contact and talk to people about different things? But yet, s- this is one of the most illiter- biblically illiterate groups of people that we have we have seen. The majority of scripture that we know is is purely because we sing songs that have scripture in it. Many people only know Bible verses because they've sung parts of Bible verses and songs. It's a great methodology to be able to memorize things, and it's awesome. I know my ABCs because there was a tune to it, right? I mean, music is a great usage of being able to memorize things and to use that, but that cannot be the only time that you go through scripture. You have to know the truth. And in an age where truth is the one thing that people are trying to redefine for themselves, I'm living my truth, I'm doing this, we cannot be people who are just defined by my truth. I need to make sure that I am speaking and living out the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that's evident in my life, then people will be able to see the manifestation of that in my life. If we really want to experience a great move of God and be a part of something that is long-standing and not just a service that is really powerful and impactful, maybe a week of, of, of meetings that, that is really great. You look throughout you know, different times and different moments, even within from the 90s to now, you can see that there's been lots of different revivals that have happened, smaller stints of things, a couple weeks of some really good meetings. But what happens? What's the fruit after that? What happens after that? Where are you going in the midst of of that feeling, that, that wonderful encounter, you're weeping on the floor in front, of, in front of the altar, just giving it all to Jesus, and then three weeks later, you're out still on another bender. You were living out an expression of the presence of God, but walking out still bound, because you did not grasp the truth of the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he wipes your sins away, That you're a new creation walking out in the grace of God, the life that you are set to live. We have to do this. We have to do this. We have to know these things. And so this is a challenge for this year that we need to be people who know the truth. This is a year of freedom. It's a year of freedom, but in order to walk out in freedom, we have to be able to know the truth. We have to be diligent in the truth. This also means this will be a year of challenge. Come on, in order to be free, you have to be challenged. This also means there'll be a little bit of pricking of your heart sometimes. Because there's going to be some things that maybe you have held on to for a while that doesn't need to be there anymore. I mean, there, there could be a little smatterings of religion that's just holding on in there because this is the way you feel like it always had to be. That's going to be removed because, behold, I do a new thing. Methods can change, but the heart intentionality of what God is doing will not change. He's the same in that, man- in that manner yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to have to reach people. Dad gave that exhortation last week. He said, this is the year of the evangelist. If we truly believe that, then that means that we're going to have to live out a life of truth and be able to to speak with people about the truth of the scriptures. You can't be manipulated here or there. Come on, people people take scripture out of context all the time to try to defend their own position because of the hurt that they have. They want to defend their hurt by using scripture out of context. We have to know scripture. People will try to throw all kind of garbage at you and if you don't know the answer, don't try to make it up. Tell them, I don't know, but I, let me look it up. Like, I'll talk to people, and I'll try to figure out the answer. And then come back to them with a good answer. Don't feel shame that you don't know an answer. But feel disappointed if you never go seek out that answer so that you can reach that person. That's when, that's when there's some disappointment there, when you just let that lay. Come on, we need to be people who are excited to evangelize those. And not just talk to them about Jesus, but lead them to Christ. And that doesn't mean we just lead them in a sinner's prayer. That's, that's not been around for a very long time. We need to lead them into discipleship. We need to be people who are excited about discipling others. 
You shouldn't be content just sitting here in these seats on Sundays and Wednesdays. Just happy to be here, brother. That's all it is. Just happy to be here. No. What are you doing to, to really feel and understand what God is saying? And then are you challenging others around you? What do you think about the scripture? What do you think about what God says here? Are you challenging one another? Are you being challenged? Do you feel like you're being challenged? I can tell you, I've been, I've been getting challenged left and right, and it's amazing and terrible at the same time because I'm dying daily. <laughs> so I'm just dying all the time. But it's great because it's giving me life. It's giving me confidence. It's giving me endurance. You need that. You need that. So there's, there's going to be some things that, that we're going we're gonna to bring up in meetings. Within this church community and our church body right here, there's some things that, that we want to do as a body of Christ. And there's some things we want to do as a ministry that's, that's going to require more hands on deck. There's going to be some things that we're, we're going to need to be stepping into that, that's not just going to be a pastoral staff doing some stuff. There's going to be some changes made also. Some of them a little bitty. Some of them a little bit bigger than a little bitty. But in the midst of that, it will challenge some of us. It will stretch some of us as well. I'm one of the least flexible individuals physically. Like, it's tough. And as I can tell, when I stretch my hamstrings, sooner or later, my back's going to start feeling something. I wasn't stretching my back. I'm stretching my hamstrings. So sometimes when you become stretched in one area, you're going to start to notice that it's pulling on something else. It's pulling on something else, and it's not going to be super comfortable. Sometimes you're going to be a little sore. But that doesn't mean that we run away from that. That doesn't mean we walk away from the opportunity to learn, to grow, to be, to be stretched, to be strengthened. We have to be willing to stretch. We also have to be willing to, to do some stuff. And we're going to be needing to do some stuff. We have some certain things that are going to help with organization, bringing people together, getting communication out a little bit better. We're going to be working towards some things like that. We want to continue to make this an environment and a place where people feel welcome. And, and I mean, this, we're, our slogan is we're a river of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. If we truly are, then we need to be this not just in name, but also in functionality and everything that we do. We need to be together on all this stuff, too. We cannot be separated. The enemy wants to divide the body of Christ, and we need to be people of unity. And so if this is the case, we need to be, we need to be able to have conversations with one another. That if you feel like, like you're feeling some type of way about something or someone, that you need to have the freedom to, to, to sit there and talk and just understand. Some of it is just misunderstanding. It could just be verbiage. Just the way that someone said something, it made sense in their mind, but when it came out of their mouth, it did not make that much sense to you, and you're a little peeved at it, and so you got to go back and you got to ask them a little a couple more questions, and just to make sure, because offense is easy to have in the midst of misunderstanding, and so making sure that you are very diligent in, in getting rid of any kind of barriers that the enemy tries to place between you and the body. Because then a lot of times that makes it to where it's hard for you to connect with the heart of God as well. Because if these people are supposed to be those who believe in Jesus and has the love of God, then how come I feel like this type of way? You have to be diligent in opening your mouth and talking. This is something I'm, I'm having to learn a lot more of. I'm not as much of a confrontational individual as, as what some people are able to, to just walk into. And they're like, I'm in it, let's go. I mean, I'm down if I get, I get presented with it, but I'm not one that's, like, walking out and trying to be like, who can I confront? Like, that's not, that's not my nature. But it's good to be able to walk up and to be able to have these conversations and make sure that there's not tension, because the longer that happens, bitterness is able to set in. And you don't need bitterness to set in in the midst of the body of Christ. In the midst of what God wants to do, it will always cause division and dissension. We do not need that. We don't need division. We need continual vision that's going forward. And so really, if we're, if we're looking to impact the community and not just have church services, then we need to be people who can, who can put the, the bootstraps on and get to, wa get to working. We need to be people who are ready to go. And this is the process of being trained and being equipped, asking questions, seeing where you can, where you can fit in and, and help out. There's lots of different areas that, that are very helpful to have during service. But then there's also a lot of things that we, we need to be able to start doing outside of the church building that could be a great help for the community as well. And so throughout the year, 
there may be a couple different announcements. It's like, hey, we're, we're going to need people for this. We're looking to really, really move into this area. We feel called to reach this group of people, or we feel called to do this. And we're going to need some people who are like, yep, I'm behind you on that. I can help. How can I, how can I lend, lend a hand, or how can I be a part of that? Maybe there's some things on your heart that you would like to see some things happen for a specific group of people. And you're like, well, how come the church isn't doing it? Well, it's because you're not heading up. That's why. The Lord may be, may be touching your heart for a certain group of people or a certain thing. And, that does, and, and just because, because some of those things we may not be able to do immediately as you open your mouth and say that you want to do that. There may be a little bit of a process of, of getting things set up or prepared so that we can launch that type of ministry. But in persistence and diligence, we can see a lot of things happen that will be great. So are you guys ready to be challenged this year? Are you guys ready to walk into freedom and, and, and seek out truth? We're going to have some, some really fun times. I want to have, have some more friends of mine from, uh, from some of the connections that I've been making come out and, and minister, minister to us and minister with us. And so I know one of them um, is going to be my, my uh, systematic theology professor, uh, Dr. Alan Hawkins. Um, he's a retired pastor, just gave his church, turned his church over to a, a buddy of mine. And uh, so now him and his wife are traveling a lot more, doing a lot of things. One of the smartest dudes I've ever met. Uh, brilliant, brilliant man. And uh, I help him out. I'm one of his teaching assistants for, uh, for Global Awakening Theological Seminary. And um, he's going to come out in June, and he's going to be with us to, uh, right before we have our women's conference at some point. And, uh, and that's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a couple other people come in and, and, and meet us. And so whenever we have different, different speakers and different people like that, I don't want it to just be, oh, cool, we had someone different standing up there. I want you guys to be challenged and to take those things away with you because there's a reason why those people are here. There's a reason why God sent those people to us, and that's to challenge us for something else, for something different. It could be to reiterate something that we're already preaching from the pulpit, or it could be something that the Lord's been touching on your heart, and they're just verbalizing it. Or it could be something new that you really feel like the Lord is, is ministering to you for. And if that's the case, then you need to be able to walk that out and be able to move into that with intentionality. We don't just want to have people here just to have people here and say we have guests. There's a reason and purpose behind it. I'm not going to be the only person standing here speaking. We have some wonderful ministers in this room that could also speak and that will be speaking. Some of you guys are called to preach as well. We want to train and equip people so that they can be put in a position so they can learn and develop their skills and hone in those abilities to do that. Are we ready for this year? Are we ready for this year? Are we ready for this year? Let's stand up this, this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for a great opportunity to, to worship you in this place. Thank you for a wonderful group of individuals who are just passionate about knowing you. Lord, let us be challenged to move and to have action in the midst of of this community. Let us not be just another church that comes and meets and just has a building. But Lord, let us be people who are excited about delivering your message to those who are in our, in our midst. Lord, let us be people of impact and influence where we're at. Let those who do not know you in our workplaces come to know you and come to understand that you are the savior of their souls, that you're the, you're the healer of the brokenhearted. You're the, you're the doctor that they so need spiritually soul and in their in their physical body lord let us be people who display your kingdom in every single thing that we do so lord let us go out continue to move on our hearts convict us of things that we need to be convicted of lord as we take communion bind us together even closer with you let us be excited about what you're doing inside of our hearts transform us move us and encourage us We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this year, 2023. Thank you that we could have times and seasons and we could recognize things so that we could recall your good works. Let us not be people who are caught up in the past, but let us be people who move towards what you have for us, God. And in those times where we're being challenged, let us have grace for ourselves and grace for those who are challenging us and grace for the body in the midst of that. Lord, I pray against any kind of disunity and any kind of dissension. I pray against any kind of manipulation and any kind of, of brokenheartedness that would cause someone to feel hurt or harmed. Any kind, of, uh, any kind of, of tactic of the enemy would be disabled in Jesus' name. 
I pray that we encounter freedom in our lives, freedom in our thoughts, freedom in our relationships, freedom in our actions, and freedom from the sin that tries to, to crouch at our door. Lord, let us be diligent in seeking after your truth so that we can be and remain free. We love you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You guys have a fantastic Sunday. Go hug somebody. Go eat lunch with somebody. We'll see those of you guys from ministry school tonight and the rest of you guys on Wednesday. And if not, then Sunday. <laughs>